0: Okay, so we want to think about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and evidences for that. Uh, This is something very near and dear to my heart and something important for us as Christians to go over uh, now and again because really the whole Christian faith rests on this. The whole claim really comes down to this. It was Christ raised from the dead. And really, if we can get it in our own minds... The importance of the historicity of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it it really, I believe, helps us in our conversations with other people. It really helps uh, bring clarity to the conversation. You know, people are always wondering, why are you a Christian? Well, maybe it's because you're religious. Maybe it's because you were raised that way. And I love disarming people of those notions and saying, uh, no, I'm not a Christian because I think it works. And I'll even throw out there sometimes. Heck, sometimes Christianity doesn't work, to for for uh, having a great life. Uh, there are a lot of inconveniences, a lot of things you got to give up. And uh, but I'm a Christian because it's true, and and that I've never seen a case where uh, the person wasn't surprised by that. And the, and then when you say you know what if it were, what if there were a religion that you could actually verify by external circumstances. I'm telling you, every conversation I've had with folks that always uh, helps them think. I've uh, just—that's really what it's about. We have gotten so far away from that in modern Christianity, where we have so internalized everything. Religion is everything that's going on in your heart. That uh, we we when you begin to talk about. Well, no, it all rests on what happened 2,000 years ago. And if, it, and if it didn't happen there, there's no point in being a Christian. That is something most people in our culture have never heard. And, and, not, and not only is it good for evangelism, this isn't just an evangelism tool, but it's also a pastoral tool. Uh, this is something that really helps us in our own faith because all of us struggle at certain times with different levels of, of doubt and different levels of um, ups and downs and discouragements. And really, it all comes back to this. Did Christ walk out of that tomb one day? Uh, My my acceptance before God is not my level of performance, ultimately. But it's the fact that that Christ was raised from the dead. Uh, My wife and I were flying to, uh, we flew together to Colorado, and uh, we hit the absolute worst turbulence I have ever had in my life. I mean, I've had some bad ones. I've flown a lot, fly a lot. Uh, but this was so bad that the, the the stewardess who was behind us, who's been flying for twenty, so he's been flying for twenty years, he said there was only one uh, flight that was worse than that. That people were screaming and crying and the whole bit. The plane, it was the wind bouncing off of the uh, the uh, the Rockies, and apparently Denver's one of the worst. Uh, and, and as we're coming in, it wasn't just the shaking and the up and down. That's normal stuff. It was the side to side and the and the and the. The going doing the dips. I really thought this is the we're going to go down. And the only two things that went through my mind was, Lord, please be merciful to our children, especially my youngest. And Lord, please be gracious to Chuck Tedrick, who's going to be at the airport feeling horrible that we died. Because I thought for sure we're going to (laughs) die. What does this have to do with what I'm talking about? Uh, A lot. Because in that moment, in that moment where you really think, okay, this this is this is probably it. What brings you comfort? It, it all boils down to this. I, I'm banking the, on what the eyewitnesses recorded. I'm banking on that being a fact. It does not come down to m- my liver shiver, how I'm feeling about Jesus and myself. It comes down to, I'm trusting that these guys who recorded this stuff in the Gospels and Acts were telling the truth. And there's good reason for that. I'm banking on Jesus, having satisfied for my sins. But the only way we know that what he did on the cross meant anything is if he rose from the dead. Without the resurrection, the cross is meaningless. It all comes down to this. It all comes down to the resurrection. And I'll say one more thing by way of preface. preface. If you read through the book of Acts and examine the sermons that the apostles preached you will find a common thread through all those sermons. It's the resurrection. That's what they're proclaiming. They're not telling stories. They're not talking about themselves. They're not saying, I once was this way, and now I'm this way. They're all proclaiming, Jesus of Nazareth has been raised from the dead. He's the promised one of the Old Testament. We know that because Christ raised him from the dead. It all comes down to this, to the resurrection. So really, that's where we begin uh, you've probably heard the uh, the saying uh, of C.S. Lewis that he coined in uh, *Mere Christianity*. Uh, great book. I've never read it. I encourage you to read. It's just an encouraging, very pastoral sort of apologetics book. And he says that Jesus was either a liar, lunatic, or Lord. Those are your three options. Liar, lunatic, or Lord. And, you know, we've heard that before, most of us, I'm sure. But it still just amazes me how uh, people, by and large, don't see this. I, I just had a conversation with a relative not long ago about this very thing. We got into a conversation at Thanksgiving. Well, who is Jesus? Who do you believe Jesus is? And uh, he says, well, I don't believe he's God. I believe he was a good man. And I said, well, now, do you realize you don't have that option? That's, that's not an option given to you uh, it, it, because, because of the things Jesus said. Jesus said, for example, in John 2, destroy this temple, talking about his flesh, and in three days I will raise it up. Uh, Matthew, Matthew 12, 40, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus said he would be raised from the dead. Those aren't just the only places. There are many places where he prophesied about his resurrection. So uh, if he wasn't raised from the dead, he was one of these two. He either either knew he wouldn't and he was lying, or he was just self-deceived. He was deluded and had mental problems. In, in those two cases, that's not a good man. That's not somebody you want to follow. That's not somebody you want your kids to emulate. Uh, he, he was telling fairy stories and telling people to believe in him and follow him. It's all a hoax. We have only those options. Either he wasn't raised, and he's one of these two, and I don't want anything to do with Jesus, or he was raised, and he's Lord. That's, that's the only possibilities on the table. We have to remember that. Uh, what's amazing, though, is that most people in our culture want to live somewhere in between. You know, I don't, well, don't want to call him liar or lunatic. I mean, he was a good man. I read the Sermon on the Mount. Gandhi liked it. Uh, he didn't hurt anybody. We should try to be like him. But I'm not going to call him Lord. I mean, that just seems crazy and superstitious and that he's God, Um, That's just too exclusive. And then I've got to say that Christianity is the only way. Uh, um, And everybody wants to live somewhere in the middle, somewhere in between. And what's sad is that statistics, this is what really bothers me. Statistics show that most evangelicals can't even tell you why Easter is celebrated. And I know that, I mean, just if I may speak anecdotally, I didn't know the significance of the resurrection. I I grew up in a Bible-believing evangelical church, and certain things were emphasized, you know, asking Jesus into your heart, um, whatever that means, um, uh, being like Jesus, following Jesus. There was lots of talk about Jesus' return, but we never heard anything about the significance of his resurrection. And to be honest with you, I didn't really quite get it. Growing up, I remember, okay, he died on the cross. They say that's for my sins, which it's hard to you know, understand the connection with atonement if that's not clearly explained. But the resurrection, it's sort of like, you know, I'm gone, Ha-ha, I'm back, da and then he flew off to heaven. And it's like, okay, you know, in the mind of somebody who's hearing that without any explanation, it makes no sense. And this is what statistics show how most evangelicals today, how they think of the, resur- the resurrection is just not even on the radar. That is not the Christian faith. That is not the Christian faith. The Christian faith proclaims the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I will say something here that you know, might make us feel a little uncomfortable, but it's true. This is where we even sometimes find ourselves aligning with uh, you know, even the Roman Catholic Church or the Eastern Orthodox Church where they will at least still emphasize the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Don't disparage the Roman Catholic priest come Easter time, who's defending the historicity of the resurrection of Jesus Christ on TV to some skeptic. Oftentimes, they're doing the job that evangelicals aren't doing at all because they just want to preach to you self-help and have your best life right now, which is false religion. At least, at least... The, the Roman Catholic Church and the Eastern Orthodox Church, which, in the, at least in the case of the Roman Catholic Church, denies what we understand to be the gospel, at least they still adhere to the Apostles and Nicene Creed, which embraces the doctrine, the crucial doctrine of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, what is at stake here? What is at stake with the resurrection? Was it fraud? Was it fantasy? Or is it, in, is it fact? Uh, we need to think about what it all means. Paul, in First Corinthians, in chapter 15, he writes to the church in Corinth who had embraced a very dangerous doctrine that denied the resurrection of the body. Now, they believed that Christ was raised from the dead, but they didn't believe that we will be raised from the dead. They believed that, well, uh, because they had embraced a kind of Platonism or dualism, uh, which later developed into a kind of Gnosticism that taught that uh, things that are physical are evil inherently, and things that are uh, good are spiritual things which are necessarily invisible. And so God, who is spirit and who is good, uh, how could he become a man, which is physical? Well, they had embraced that. Uh, the church at Corinth had embraced the gospel, of uh, the incarnation, the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. But they began to uh, tweak the doctrine of the resurrection to say that, well, we're not going to be raised from the dead. Because that, how can that be? How could we have physical bodies in the resurrection when physicality is inherently uh, inferior and evil. That was the idea. And so Paul has this long uh, chapter in chapter 15 of cor- First of, uh, Corinthians where he says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preach to you. Now here it is. If you want a definition of the gospel, this is the, the apostle's definition of the gospel. Which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. And here it is. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That means the Old Testament. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that, and that he appeared to Cephas, that is Peter, then to the 12. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive at that very time. And this is probably written in the 50s of the first century. And so Paul is saying, look, the gospel is the life, death, resurrection of Christ, and he appeared to people, not just to the disciples, but also to more than 500, which was probably at the time of uh, Christ's great commission in Matthew 28. And he says, and most of them are still alive today. You go ask them. This is not a legend. This is not how you start a legend. If you're going to start a legend, you have to separate time and place between the story and the time and place of the occurrence of the story. Okay, so once upon a time there were leprechauns. Okay, But if I say, well, well, a leprechaun appeared 10 years ago right here in San Diego, and more than 500 people saw it, and uh, you can go verify it with them. Go ask them. Those are two completely different things. And Christianity, you see, is not founded on the the method of, of creating a legend. And so Paul says, look, this is what I brought to you. And then he goes into sort of what's called a reductio ad absurdum. He, he reduces their argument to an absurdity. But in the way he does that, I won't read the whole chapter here because it's 58 verses, but what he does is he shows that if you deny the resurrection of our bodies on the last day, then you must categorically deny the resurrection of Christ's body. You can't have one without the other because the two are joined. So I'll pick up in verse 12. Notice what he says. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. You see, they're connected. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God Well, even if it's not true, I still lived a better life. Really? You gave up 52 Sundays a year for something that's not true. You tithed 10% of your money for something that's not true. You denied your body all kinds of sinful passions and desires. You stayed married to the same person. You try to obey God over something that's not true. That's just crazy. That's just crazy. Let me tell you something. I know this is being recorded. and This is for the whole world to hear. <laughs> if Christ wasn't raised from the dead, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. And what kind of life would I live? I would live a very wicked life. I don't know about you, but I know me. And my life would be filled with take what I want, get out of my way. That's what I would be filled with. I am not a good person. I am not a nice person either. I am mean at heart. Very mean. And if Christ wasn't raised from the dead, I'm going to do what I want. But if he was raised from the dead, that changes everything. That's a total game changer. It's, it's one or the other. And that guy's is what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's not saying that, well, even if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, you know, being a Christian is really great. Yeah, right, says the guy who's been in prison how many times, whose back has been whipped, whose body has been broken. Uh, I mean, he, he, was, he was, uh, had the 39 lashes five times, shipwrecked, le- left abandoned by other people, 30 years of hardship for something that didn't happen. And he says, if Christ, if Christ, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. If all there is is this life, man, go out there and live it up. Go out there and be a gangster, a mobster, a, a playboy, a whatever. Go out there because that's all there is. And once you die, that's it. But if Christ has been raised, it's a totally different scenario. And he says in verse 20, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by man, namely Adam, came death, by a man, namely Christ, has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, that is all in Adam, so also in Christ, that is all in Christ, shall be made alive. But notice this, each in his own order. Christ, the firstfruits. Then, at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Verse 26, what I want on my tombstone. That used to be a popular verse on tombstones. Because the body goes in the grave... The soul, your conscious being, uh, apart from your body, goes to be with the Lord. And salvation is complete when body and soul are reunited, when the last enemy death is destroyed. But I want you to notice something that that he says there, the connection between Christ's resurrection and us, our resurrection. So he's the first fruits, right? So if we picture, you know, sort of a, a field, an empty field, And you're looking at it, waiting for harvest, and it's just barren and dead. And then, you know, up sprouts, you know, the first crop, right? That's a crop, just work with me here. Uh, And the rest are connected. Christ is that first fruits, which signifies that all the rest will come. Interesting fact, in Leviticus, I believe it's chapter 23, uh, the feast of first fruits, you would take out the first fruit, the crop, and you would bring it to the priest, and he would wave it before the Lord as uh, an offering on behalf of the people. And do you know when he would do it? The day after the Jewish Sabbath, the first day of the week. Already foreshadowing what would happen, the birthday of the new creation, when, when Christ would be raised from the dead on the first day of the week, and there would be this shift of now... Uh, Uh, of working in gratitude from what God has given us in the new creation. But the two are connected. Or another way to think of it is like an iceberg. You know those icebergs that you see? uh, They say that you're only seeing a, a portion of it. Well, you know, if we can imagine the water like here, it's one mass. And Christ is that first fruit's And us, we are connected, but it's all one mass. It's just separated, as Paul says, in order. Christ 2,000 years ago, we on the last day when Christ returns physically, visibly, gloriously. So we have to understand that this is the gospel message that the apostles proclaimed. This is what they said. And he even goes so far to say... uh, if the dead are not raised, verse, 40, verse 32, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. I mean, that's how we ought to live if the dead are not raised. But if Christ has been raised, then it's a, a completely different scenario. Now, skeptics might ask, well, you know, maybe these weren't really sane people who, rational people who believed in the resurrection of Jesus, And all kinds of theories have been floated. And over the next uh, few weeks, we're going to go through some of those. You know, there's the swoon theory, which is very popular, uh, that uh, Jesus really wasn't dead. Even though he had been tortured by sophisticated Romans, uh, which often killed the person before they got on the cross, and then he suffered hours of excruciating suffocation upon a cross and had his legs broken, he was put into the tomb... And the cool air in the tomb revived him and he was able to suddenly have superhuman strength and push away the rock, fight off Roman guards. And, you know, that's ridiculous, man. That might work for Batman, but that doesn't work in reality. It's just crazy that people would actually, they're just looking for some reason not to believe the truth. Or there's the twin brother theory. Jesus had a twin brother. They saw his twin brother. Or there's the wrong tomb theory. Because, you know, those women, they probably just went to the wrong place, right? And they found, oh, it's empty. Or there's the stolen body theory. You know, they, they got rid of the body. All of these are so easy to show that none of them work. First of all, half of them, all the Romans and the Jews would have had to have done is go produce the body. You know, the twin brother theory, the, the uh, wrong tomb theory, uh, we, we produce the body and we show that, no, it's full, and then Christianity is crushed. And the Jews and the Romans both had the motive and the means and the, uh, you know, the ability to uh, stop Christianity if they wanted to. Uh, in terms of you know the stolen body theory, uh, so we're to believe then that people like the Apostle Paul went his 30 years... Of difficulty, giving up everything—a lucrative career as a Pharisee—for uh, something that he knew wasn't true—that um, doesn't make any sense. And we have to understand that these aren't. This isn't the mere s- superstition of ignorant, unscientific, unsophisticated ancient people. Uh, these are these are educated people, rational people. I mean, we we read their writings. The writings are very sophisticated grammatically. They are, they are carefully documented, Luke in volume one and volume two, which we call Acts, carefully constructed with dates, places, names. That's why Luke is always giving you names of who was, who was uh, serving which office, where, and when. It's to cement everything into history, to locate it into time and place, because Christianity is a historic religion. Meaning that it, it, it it's based on facts that happened in time, but we have to understand that uh, these were not just self-deceived people. Now it's true that many people will believe things that uh, are crazy and delude themselves. Uh, that's you know partially because man is incurably religious and he's always looking for something. Uh, to give meaning and purpose to his life and something to worship. And if he doesn't find it through organized religion or the individualistic mysticism and self-realization so rampant in our culture today, he may try to find it in a cult even that believes crazy or inconceivable or crackpot notions. Uh, many of you might remember the, uh, the people who took their lives in uh, the, the Heaven's Gate cult. Remember that? Uh, I believe that was in Rancho Santa Fe, 39 people, 39 people had jumpsuits on, the same kind of Nikes, and they believed that a spaceship was going to come and take them away. They were in a beautiful mansion in Rancho Santa Fe, and they all drank cyanide and died together. It was was actually the largest mass suicide on U.S. soil in, in, in our nation's history. And we hear stuff like that, and we think, well, you know, who in the world would believe such things, right? It just shows us that people can be easily deceived. But how do we know? We're not just believing in a myth. How do we know that Christianity is not a sham, the resurrection? We base it off of fact, off of evidence that has been recorded. Christianity always says, go check out the facts. They're there for you. I'm always telling people... Um, listen, you have good questions when you're asking, well, how do we know about this? How do we know about that? There are good questions. The, the question I have for you is, do you want answers? Because the answers are there. But the truth is, sometimes some people don't want answers. They just want the question to justify their lifestyle. The resurrection is what solves all that. And when, so when people come to me who are often doubting Christianity or they're going through... Uh, uh, particular struggles, I will often, in a very pastoral way, refer them to studying the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Go, go check it out. There's even some good books that help document that in a biblical, theological way. But, but go through some of the evidences. What we're going to do, what I try to do, is do it in a way that is easy to Remember? And what we'll do over the next uh, three weeks is go through these five E's. Some of you might remember the five E's. Anybody remember the first one? Okay, I won't put you on the spot. See, this is why we need to review. This is why we need to review. Anissa, I know you know. The empty tomb. There was an empty tomb. And the hostile witnesses, Jews and Romans, did not contest that. That's number one. What do you do about the empty tomb? And here's the great thing in evangelism you never have to make a statement. You never, ever have to make a statement. You can put everything in a question. It's called the Socratic method. Constantly turns the tables, puts the burden of proof back on the other person. And it also helps you understand better what they believe. Takes the pressure off of you, gives you a few extra seconds to think about what next you're going to say, and uh, it just and you look better all the way around. Uh, well, you know, some say, "Well, I can't believe you know Jesus rose from the dead." You know, science is always this is what I always say. Science, science shows that you know there are no miracles. You know, which is crazy in itself when we really get into what science is—the measurement of data—and uh, you know, that, doesn't, that can in no way as any. Uh, honest scientists will tell you, uh, preclude miracles, the supernatural from happening, or the inexplicable. Uh, However, when someone makes a crazy statement like that, um, don't let them get away with it. And certainly don't be afraid. You don't have to hit a home run. Just get on first base. And you start by saying, well, what do you do about the empty tomb? Question mark. How did you come to that conclusion? What do you do about the empty tomb? Have you ever considered that neither the Jews nor the Romans contested that fact? They haven't considered in most cases. I mean, occasionally you'll meet, you know, the the pop atheist or the real opponent to Christianity and he's read a few books, but it's very rare. In most cases, they haven't. They're just looking for something to justify a lifestyle. And so that's number 1. Next e. We keep them in e's because they're easy to remember. Next e is what? Eyewitnesses. And who were the eyewitnesses? The apostles plus the 500. Where do you go to find that? 1st Corinthians 15. Well, have you, have you ever considered the fact that there were eyewitnesses? I mean, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you know, that uh, there's people who said that it happened and they, they, they were there in the place. I mean, it would be as if Jesus of Nazareth was in San Diego and died on a cross, you know, right outside Balboa Park and then was buried in a tomb uh, where we all knew. And then on the third day, uh, he appeared to his disciples, and more than 500. Have, have you ever considered that? I mean, that's, that's the record of Christianity. Again, most people haven't. They just think you have found some form of religion, and, and they're happy for you, and they have found some form of religion, even if it's materialism or agnosticism, but what they don't want to hear is you telling them that your form of religion is is the right one or better than theirs because that sounds arrogant. And you know what? It does. It sounds really arrogant. And the way I hear most you know, so-called conservative uh, evangelicals today talking, it's horrible. That's not the way to talk to somebody. Well, mine's better than yours. Well, you've got to back that up. How? And I say, well, you know, I'm just going off a of fact here. This is, these are the facts from the eyewitnesses. Now, maybe they were crazy. Or maybe they were telling the truth. And we got to establish that. And that comes to the next E. Anybody remember the third E? So we call this ETA. Again, to help you remember. We all know ETA, right? What does ETA stand for in our culture? Estimated time of arrival. In my house, it's ETE. Estimated time of eating for the cook, we ask. What is the ETE? And... uh, Estimated time of arrival, right? Okay, well, now remember ETA by enduring, enduring transformation of the apostles. Because think about it now, these guys, where were they when Jesus was arrested? Okay? And then where did they go? I mean, there was that brief moment of bravado where uh, Peter was a theonomist for about five minutes. And he pulls out the sword and he goes, and he, and he gets the guy's ear. I've always heard people say, you know, oh, he didn't even know how to use it. He got the guy's ear. I always think that was pretty great. He got the guy's ear. You know, yeah, he was going for the head. How do you know the guy didn't you know, pull a little matrix move and he got him? You know, that's not bad. Uh, but then he puts it away. And then what happened? What happened? They fled. And where were they for the next three days? Hiding. Why? They feared for their lives. You see how important the story is, guys? You see how important the story is? Now, you all know the answers to these questions. But the story is important because it happened. It's an event. They were hiding. Why? Because they were afraid of being arrested. Why? Because they were following Jesus. Why? Because they believed he was the truth. Then what happened? Well, after they saw him raised from the dead, these guys who chickened out, who fled, who were hiding from the Jews and the Romans, then come out and begin proclaiming Jesus as raised from the dead. When? At the Feast of Pentecost. Where was that? In Jerusalem. Why is that significant? Because there were tons and tons and tons of people there. People from all over the Roman Empire. And man, that was really risky. That was really risky. Going out in public. But what would have made those guys go from, I'm afraid we're going to die, to, I don't care if I die. Not a stolen body, I can tell you that much. Oh, well, we stole the body, we hid it, but now let's go out there and just you know, be brave and then we'll make some money off of book deals. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. So, now, maybe a more plausible argument is, well, maybe they were deluded. Maybe they so wanted to believe that Jesus was raised from the dead that they thought he was raised from the dead. That's possible, but if that were true, as soon as they began proclaiming Christ raised from the dead, what would the Jews have done? go to the tomb and say, there he is, enough. And it would have died. You see, this is not difficult. We just got to think through the facts. Think through the events. Christianity is a historic religion. What I mean by that is not just that it's a religion that's been around a long time. I'm saying it's based on historic facts. It's all based on stuff that happened and has been recorded. That's what Christianity is. But we have turned it on its head in our world and made Christianity, you know, butterflies that I feel in my chest and these magic moments. Now, I'm not saying, please don't swing the pendulum all the way to the other side. Um, I'm not saying that we don't have Christian experiences. I'm not saying that. But I'm simply saying that it is very dangerous. In fact, it is demonic. It is really Satan's masterpiece for us to move away from the events that happened and for our focus to be on how I feel. That leads us right into false religion. So what caused these guys to be transformed and then for their transformation to endure? Heaven's gate, people, that was easy. 39 people all at once, drink cyanide, go down. The apostles didn't have it that easy. They all go their different ways. They all go proclaiming the truth. And where did they end up? not, not, Not on a cruise ship in the Mediterranean. Not in nice retirement homes. But beheaded, burned at the stake, filleted. And not only that, we often forget this. Before they were stoned and killed, they suffered. They suffered. Look at Paul's life. It was not my best life right now. It was a hard life. Why would he endure that? Because his hope was in something else. What? The resurrection of the dead. What basis would he have for believing that? The resurrection of Christ. It all comes down to this. This is why I'm a Christian. And I hope it's why you're a Christian. There is no other reason for being a Christian. And we need to tell our kids that too. I'm a Christian because it's true. Not because this is a religion that's really awesome. I'm a Christian because it's true. Because something happened. All right, we'll go through the next two E's uh, next week, and then we'll spend a little more time uh, on them and uh, uh, go through also some of the, the, uh, the common arguments against the resurrection uh, next week. We have, what's, we're supposed to be done now, right? Okay, let's pray. And if you have any questions, I'll stick around. Father, we thank you for the time that you've given us. And we do pray that you would help us to know more fully the record that in your grace and through your providence, you have made known to us in your word. Thank you for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thank you that it happened. And thank you that it was recorded. And thank you that you have given us a sure anchor and foundation of our hope and a reason to go through this life with joy, even amid persecution and difficulty, because our Savior was raised from the dead, and therefore, so shall we. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.